a family conversation because I want you to know the season in which we're living in and it is as we, as we celebrate this Mother's Day, I want us to revisit our foundation and see where are we heading as a people. In Exodus chapter 2, in verses 1, 2, 3, the Bible talks about Jochebed, the mother of Moses. How that when Moses was born, she saw that he was a goodly child. And even though Pharaoh was threatening that all the kids should be killed, she did not do that. Rather, she was moved to create an ark and preserve the boy. So first, she saw that he was a goodly child. In other words, she had a vision. What vision do you have for your homes? Are we just living from day to day by accident to accident and looking for something to happen or do you have a goodly vision? And then, after having a goodly, seeing that she was a, it was a goodly child, she prepared the ark. Where did she get that from? She must have read what God told Noah to do in Genesis. Or aware of it. So she had a vision and then she mixed the vision with the word. When you have a vision and you allow the word of God to guide the vision, your success is already guaranteed. Amen? So again, we greet and salute all the women, all the mothers, and all the mothers-to-be. Happy Mother's Day. And to us men, please, don't let them go back home today and get in the kitchen. I beg you, in Jesus' name, deliver them from the kitchen. Just a few hand claps, my goodness. Take them out to the best restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia. Don't just use the words. You say, oh, I appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day. What does that mean? Treat her like a queen. This is her day. These men are not with me this morning. Men, are you here? Yes. We are here. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> Praise God. Don't be cheap. Please, don't take them to McDonald's. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. All right. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the time. Okay. Praise God. And uh, I just want to acknowledge uh, Pastor Joseph and Ola, Oladapo, all the way from Nigeria. They are visiting with us this morning. You're most welcome. It's good to have you in the house. They're here because of a training that's going to be taking place here this next Friday. Bishop Manadon is coming in, and two, three, uh, a few of them are also coming in. I'll be telling you about the training later on, uh, but that's the reason they're here, and you're going to be hearing from them as time goes on. Let me get, get in the word now. Praise God. Father, we want to thank you again for this time today. We thank you for our mothers. We honor them. They are a gift to us. We receive them as such, and we call them blessed because you blessed them already. Thank you that this day will be a fulfillment of joy, satisfaction, and honor for all of them. In the name of Jesus. And for those of them that have a desire, a need, we thank you as we stand together in agreement that those needs in their lives are met because of your goodness in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we bless you now, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. And so this morning, let me just speak quickly on the subject that I call the spirit 
of grace. The spirit of grace. Zechariah chapter 10. No, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. The spirit of grace. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace and supplication. Now give me Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. Thank you. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will it be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which it was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. Pastor Lani was praying this morning and reminding us of the season which we are in. How we are in a season and a time when God is emphasizing among us the person and the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, over this last couple of days, just thinking through what God has taught us and what we know about grace. And just looking at different people, talking to different people and seeing different situations. I want to submit to you that one of the reasons many of us are not seeing result yet is because we have not fully recognized the spirit of grace. Jesus, we know, is grace personified. The law was given by Moses or through Moses, but grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is grace personified. We know that. But how is Jesus getting the benefits of grace to us today? How is it going to happen? How are we going to receive the benefits of the grace that Jesus has given unto us? There is only one dispenser of the benefits of that grace. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He is the dispenser. He is the one that is the uh, executor. That's another word. Yeah. Executor of all the benefits. You know, it's like a, it's like a, in the natural, the best way to describe this would be like if a man had a will and a man was to pass away. In that will, there will always be, number one, beneficiaries, and then number two, an executor. And if the executor does not do his job, even though there is a will and there are beneficiaries, you still won't get it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We are in a season where you and I cannot play. We cannot play. We cannot afford to, to trivialize the plays and the role of the person of the Holy Spirit. We cannot play with it. I am seeing some things and hearing some things in my own personal life that's happening or occurring on a more frequent basis than it used to be. And the reason for that is because I'm beginning to now recognize the role and a function and a person of the Holy Spirit. In other words, rather than you see God move every, once a year or once every six months, once you become proficient in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, you're going to be hearing things, seeing things on a more frequent basis 
you are going to start seeing things happen that you never bargained for. Yeah. He is the spirit of grace. He's the one that's taking the things that belong to Jesus and giving them to us. But he can only give them to those he knows. And to those who know him. So you and I must pay attention. Now, go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 verse 16. I spoke to you about two weeks ago and I said Jesus was preparing his disciples for his living. And in that preparation, he spent quality time helping them to see that even though he was going away, that there will not be a vacuum in their lives because he will do something about that vacuum. Potentially. So in John chapter 14, verse 16, said, I will pray the Father and he will do what? Another helper that he may abide with you for what? How long? Let me, let, let me look at one more scripture. He may abide with you forever. That's John 14, 16. Okay, look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. Same chapter. Thank you. Who is this helper? He's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Now look at the next sentence. For he dwells with you and will be what? In you. Huge. Two things he does. He dwells what? With you and he will be where? In you. Ah. Voila. Faith dwells with me. Which means we live in the same house. There are days from morning to evening when I'm losing him. He dwells with me. But there are days I'm in the house, he's in different part of the house, and I don't see him. Are you following what I'm saying? But not only does he dwell with us, Jesus goes on to say, he's also going to be in us. So it's not just a matter of proximity. Faith, you are dwelling with me. I'm in my bedroom or in my study. I know you are in your room. You dwell with me. But beyond dwelling with us, he wants to be in us. Dwelling with us talks about proximity. It's around. At any given time when faith is not out, even though I don't see him, I know he's there. He knows I'm there. But in order to promote intimacy, intimate knowledge, I cannot just leave him in his room or he leaves me in my study 24-7, seven days a week, all month, all year. If that was the case, we'd just be tenants in the same house. We'll become what? Intimate strangers. And that's what's happening with the Holy Spirit with many of us. He dwells there. We know that. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Proximity-wise, he's with us. We know that. But is he in you? Because that's where intimacy is produced. Not just knowing he's there, but being in you, meaning there's communion. There's communication. There's talking back and forth. 
Huge. Listen, if you take heed to what I'm saying, I'm telling you before this year's out, you see it in your life. You will see it because it is evident because that's what he wants to do. I love the scripture, Pastor uh, Larry read this morning, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven. Notice, in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. The thing is, I am not in heaven, even though I'm a heavenly being. So what did God do? He gave it verse 8. He said, there are three that bear witness on the earth. Who is the first one he mentions? The Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit is the common, the common factor of both verses. However, in heaven is the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. But on earth, if you are going to live on earth, the first witness on earth, the Spirit, the blood, and water. Amen? This is the reason Jesus told those disciples. He said, it is expedient. In other words, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, then I will send you another helper. That's John chapter 16. I will send you another help, helper. Now, that word helper, where was the first place we saw the word helper? Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. God looked at man that he had made. Ha! God said, listen, 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 listen. It is not suitable for this man to be alone. This man is what? A helper. That's the first time we saw that word helper. Which means, God is saying, this man as is. He's alright. He looks good. He's a professor. But in the absence of a helper, he will never accomplish destiny. Think about that. Without a helper, the man would not be able to fulfill his God-given purpose. We know for sure he could not procreate because his purpose was to what? Fill the earth, replenish it, multiply. That will never happen. He will be a man that is handicapped forever without a helper. Now bring that back to Jesus. It is expedient for you that I go away because when I go away, I will send you what? another helper. Which means Jesus is looking at me and you today in the same way as God saw man at the original creation. And said, man, at the original creation, you will never be able to fulfill destiny because you are not equipped. I need to give you what? A helper. That will be suitable to help you meet your destiny. So for the body of Christ, for believers, the Holy Spirit is not an addendum. No. God knew from the very beginning that the church will never be able to function without this helper. So if this helper will help to complete you and I and equip us and help us 
to fulfill our God-given destiny, is it not to our advantage to get to know him and know what he has for us? Huge. A helper. Ah. The Holy Spirit. We are told in Genesis that you and I were created in God's image and God's likeness. Two things there. Two things. In his image and his likeness. Image talks about the nature of God. Likeness talks about disability. You've heard it said, like father, like son. You see a child, a young boy behaving in a particular way, you say, ah, oh, like father, like son. In other words, this young boy is acting like his father. And so God is saying for me and you, in order for us to be like what he designed when he gave us his divine nature, we need a helper. Now, this is the beauty of this. This is the beauty. Just hear me here for a minute. I won't keep you here for too long. Just hear me here for a minute. What was the greatest shortcoming of the old covenant? Okay, let me say it a different way. What was the problem with the old covenant? Okay, wow. Let, let, me, let me say it another way. What was demanded upon the people in the old covenant? Okay, okay. All right, let, let's just make it short. The, the, the fact that they were, they had to do, to do, to do, to do in order to get blessed. It was a works-based covenant. Works-based. You work hard, you get hard. You do well hard, you get blessed hard. You don't do well, you don't get blessed. In other words, the entire old covenant was built around the self-effort of those people. I'm giving you a little history lesson here because then I can make the point and you, you'll see where, where I'm going. It is interesting to me, given that fact, that in Acts 2 verse 1, the Bible says, the, the day of, when the day of Pentecost was what? Fully come. So, what we saw that happened in Acts chapter 2 was not just something that happened. There was a pattern that was being followed or carried out. Because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, then, is that correct? That's true. So, if that is true, then you need to look back. What was the pattern? What was happening for which God was waiting for the day to fully come? Because everything Jesus promised was tarry, wait, until, until. The original Pentecost in the Old Testament was called the Feast of Weeks. Leviticus chapter 16, Leviticus chapter 23, Exodus chapter 23, Deuteronomy 23, all there. I can't get into all of that now. But that first Pentecost happened in Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 20. Take my word for it. That was when God brought them out of Egypt, took them to the Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 verse 6 and told them, I want to make you a kingdom of priests. 
You are a special position to me, and all the earth is mine. And everything I want to say to you, if you do it, you'll be a special possession to me. And they said, everything you say, we will do it. And that triggered the old covenant. Next chapter, chapter 20. Well, later part of verse, chapter 19, you hear the thunder, the quakings, the lightnings at the bottom of Mount Sinai. That was when God descended upon the people and then in chapter 20, gave them the law. God help me. So the original Pentecost was the institution or instituting of the law in Israel. Do you guess? Is that too heavy? The first time they had the feast of Pentecost was when God gave them the law. So in Acts 2 now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Holy Spirit came upon the church, baptized the church, and united the church to the Lord Jesus Christ in union. But, unlike Exodus, he's not now telling us, thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. No. His role now is to be a helper. What Israel could not do in Exodus 19, what they could not do in Exodus 20, when they said, everything you said to us, we will do. And God knew they could not do. And they could not fulfill the law. They could not fulfill the Ten Commandments. What God knew that they could not do in Exodus, Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 20, now he gives it to us in Acts 2, but the difference. The difference now is, bank, I'm not going to ask you to do it, Joseph, I'm not going to ask you to do it. I will help people to get it done. You need to understand. When you talk about Holy Spirit, do you know what his role is? God sent him to help you and I to fulfill our destinies, to equip us, to help us to do that which pleases God. He's our helper. It's my admission to God. Say, God, Yes, in my own flesh, in my own self, I can't do this. It's not possible. But I'm thankful to you that because you knew I would not be able to do so, you sent me a helper. Somebody that will encourage me, that will help me, and that will see to it that the things get done through me. Do you understand? Ah, you guys, what did you eat last night? This is huge. It is an acknowledgement, God, I can't do it. I can't get it done. But I'm not frustrated. Why? Because you've given me what? A helper. Someone like yourself who will encourage me in and through any circumstance, any situation I'm in, and make sure that your will in my life is carried out. Because you are the one that is at work in me. But to will and to do of your good pleasure. That's who you are. That's what you're there to do. In other words, this Holy Spirit is God's recognition and our acknowledgement that we are helpless apart from him. I can of my own self do nothing. If you don't understand that and you're full of yourself, 
the Holy Spirit can help you. You are too full. You've got to understand that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not adequate to get these things done. But I am yet adequate because you've given me the helper to get it done through me. And so in Luke 24, in verse 49, Luke 24, verse 49, this is what Jesus said. Luke 24, verse 49, thank you. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That word endured in the Amplified, in the NIV, in the NASB, are all translated clothed. Give it to me in the NASB. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until what? You are clothed. With power from on high. You see, when we see these languages, we just, sometimes we just read over them. And God, all through scriptures, is giving us pictures, images, to help us connect the point. He wants to clothe us. Can you imagine, as good looking as we all are this morning in this room, if we are not clothed? Please, just ponder about that for a minute. How embarrassed would you be to find yourself in a room full of people and you are not clothed? And, you're, and you are in your right mind? How ridiculous would that be to go to work tomorrow and you are not clothed? You just walk in there. Hello? I'm, glad, I'm, I'm, I'm making a point. That's how you and I are when we ignore the persons and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's how ridiculous we look when we are trying to get things done without the clothing of the Holy Spirit. Without understanding that, listen, apart from him, without him, I am naked. I'm exposed completely. Now, to make that point, ah, I love Jesus, my God. That's why you have to know both both testaments, old and new. Because then in Exodus 28, he called Aaron and his four sons into the priesthood. And the first thing he did, TJ, after he called them was, he said, I must clothe you with my own garments. Sorry, sir, I must hold your head. You're like, I needed that. Thank you, sir. <laughs> he clothed them. Was it because they had nothing to wear? Was it because uh, he, he just wanted to put... No, 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 no. He, he was making a point. And any time all the Israelites saw those priests moving around or walking in their midst, they knew right away, this guy priests. How did they know? Their clothing. They knew. They had been what? Clothed. And this was, the Bible says, special garments. I cannot go into them because that would take too much time. But the point is this. If one policeman walked into this room now in his uniform, would you recognize him? Yes. Why? Oh, thank you very much. 
immediately his outfit or his garments or his clothing distinguishes him from the rest of us. We will say this is a policeman. If you went on an airplane to fly and the pilots are walking to the cockpit, would you recognize them? Yes. Why? Because they have a uniform that tells everybody these are pilots. So God, understanding that and knowing that, back in Israel, clothed his priests, and when we study that clothing, he reveals so much to us about the Holy Spirit. Number one, he says to them, number one, he says to them, when you wear these outfits, these garments, you are consecrated unto me. In other words, you are set apart. So they walked around with a sense of being set apart. They, rec they recognized they were not just an ordinary Israelite. They recognized that their life and their mission was being set apart for God. When you wake up tomorrow morning, do you think like that about yourself? Do you ever think on a daily basis that I have God in me now and therefore I'm set apart for God wherever I go, whoever I'm talking with, wherever I find myself, I find myself as a God representative. Because we think these things are just, ah, just words. Ah. More importantly, On one of those garments, which is called the robe, the robe that the priest wore, God told them on the hem, on the hem of that robe, to put a pomegranate foot and a golden bell. A pomegranate foot and a golden bell. All around the hem of that garment. And not only that, that every time they walked around, the Israelites will hear what? The sound of the bells. Cling, 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 cling. When you hear that sound, what you know? A priest is coming. But Paul tells us, oh my God, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's go there quickly, verse 1. Good. I have good time. First Corinthians 13, in verse 1. Remember how I got here. The hem of the garment of the priest, the robe of the priest. On the hems of it, you have the fruit and the golden bell. The fruit and the golden bell. And in scripture, when you read the scripture in Exodus 28, that pomegranate fruit was mentioned before the bell. We'll treat that later. First Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become what? Sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, hallelujah, I can tell you what you're going to eat when you go home. I prophesied. <laughs> and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love I am nothing and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love it profits me nothing 
Whoa! What is Paul referring to about the sounding brass and cymbals? We have cymbals here in the house on the drum set. Do you know what it will sound like if somebody got on that drum set and just beat only the cymbals by itself? Do you have somebody here? Can you get on there and do it for me quickly? Quickly, 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 please. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to know what Paul is saying. Be the symbols alone for me. Keep on beating it. Keep on beating it. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Ah, are you beating it? Keep on beating it. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Are you all enjoying that? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Did you all enjoy that? The symbol is only good when it is being played in concert with other instruments. Would you guys get up and dance to that what you just heard just now? Why? Because the others are missing. So in God's wisdom to the priest, he said put a bell and a fruit. Which means the fruit was there to dampen the annoying noise that the bell alone would have made. So in just of just when the man is walking, the fruit will be cushioning the effect of the annoyance that the belt would have made by itself. But this is my point. This is my point. This robe that has the fruit and the bell on the hem of it. Represents what the finished work of Christ. That's the hem. That's the finished. Ladies, sewing mistresses. At the, oh, thank you very much. This is a fashion designer here on the front row. When you're making a dress, when you finish the hem, is it not finished? The hem, man, when you go and buy slacks, and it's hem is not hemmed. Can you wear it like that? Unless you're a special kind of human being. <laughs> You have it hemmed. And when it's hemmed, it means it's finished. So the, fi the result of the finished work of Christ, God showed us in Exodus 28, it shall produce what? Fruit and gifts. There should be a manifestation in my life and your life of the fruit of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit. The image of God and the likeness of God. The image describes his nature, his love, how wonderful he is, and his likeness describes his ability, his power. You must understand these things. So you can properly position yourself to relating with the Holy Spirit. He has a twofold job he wants to accomplish. One, he wants to develop in me and you that nature of God. 
the fruit of the Holy Ghost. And two, he wants to manifest in and through us the power of God to be his witness. Romans chapter 6 describes it best. He said, because God has raised Jesus from the dead, you and I now can walk in the newness of life. Love. But Acts 1a says, we shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. You can't just have one or the other. You need both. But you must also understand the difference between both of them. That gifts of the Spirit show my ministry. The fruit of the fruit of the spirit shows my maturity. One shows what ministry God has called me to. Ministry of hospitality, ministry of administration, ministry of prophecy, of teacher, pastor, evangelist, whatever the ministry is. But apart from your ministry, we also need to know that you are maturing. And the reason this is important is because all our relationships, whether it's with God, with your spouse, with your employer, with your friends, all our relationships are driven by the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you said some things yesterday or last week or last month that you will regret. Oh, I wish I didn't say it. Full of the Spirit. And if you don't master these things, you will never fully be able to manifest to your world the nature of God. Amen? It's our helper to produce in us the nature of God. It's full of the Spirit. It's our helper to help us to manifest forth his power to witness. My wife and I took a vacation, oh, maybe seven years ago now, in Pennsylvania. I may have shared this before. Among the Amish community, we spent a day there. Now, for those of you who don't know the Amish, these are people who have totally, completely rejected modern technology. They don't use electricity. They don't drive cars. They have no fans. I mean, anything modern, you can, anything. Cooking stoves, telephones, none of that. We were shocked. Right here in the United States. They have their own constitution. And law enforcement don't bother them at all. They are totally a different independent entity on their own. They dress differently. The grown men will wear beards. If you are not grown adult or married, you cannot wear a beard. It's unbelievable. We had, I had never seen anything like that. They are one of the most industrious, hard-working human beings on the face of the earth. People want to hire them. They want to buy their crafts because they know it's top 1A1 excellent. Farming, they still plow with, uh, with oxen. You think you're back in Palestine. True story. We were amazed. No, no, can you imagine a house in America with no telephone? No telephones at all. Forget cell phone. That, that's, that's an abomination. 
You have a cell phone among the image, you are going straight to hell. Straight. Non-stop express service. <laughs> In their vocabulary. No, seriously. So we talked with them. I, 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 I was just blown away. And they described their church services. And they said they have uh, uh, all, all the adults. They will meet in the morning and they will pray. And from that prayer, TG will say, I have a word for today. And that's how they get a message. That's it. They had no professionally paid pastor. Great thing. I'm about to fire myself. No, seriously. So after telling us all these things, I asked one of them. Because I'm now amazed. We've been in their store, we've bought their food, we've eaten in their restaurant. I said to them, I said to one, I called one of them, I said, now tell me, are you guys born again? No, I'm sorry, I had to ask because, because I was so blown away. They have their own school system. The whole thing is different. It's a nation within a nation. Yeah. Legal, by the way. So I asked the guy, I said, are you guys born again? You know his answer? Ask my neighbor. Ask my neighbor. Because you see, what I'm saying to you don't mean Jack unless she can verify it. If someone else don't see this virtue that I'm talking about in you, I'm sorry. Maybe you don't have the virtue. Because you see, the fruit of the spirit, can you see a mango and not know it's a mango? You see the mango on the tree and say, this is a mango. Hallelujah. Not by revelation, but by knowledge. So the man said to me, don't ask. You ask him that question? Oh, no, don't ask me. Ask my neighbor, people that live around me. So you and I, this morning, on this Mother's Day, when was the last time you argued with your, the guy that moons your lawn? Yeah. The guy comes to give you service, you fight them. And you say, hallelujah, hey, praise God. Hey, I'll die to Jesus. Who Jesus are you dancing to? You are a devil. It's the truth. It's the truth. You go to work. You carry one Bible here, an amplifier here. You, you're walking like a hunchman to your job. And then they say something, hey, leave me alone. That, is, that, that does not demonstrate the nature and the virtue of God. Something is wrong with that testimony. That's not what Jesus died for. No. Remember, the fruit comes before the gift. By your fruit, you will know them. Not by the gift. The gift is important. Please don't misunderstand me. That gift is important for us to be a powerful witness. But in my village, I know men that can work gifts. The village where I was born, I know men that don't know God that can show you gifts right now. Look at that, looking at me funny. Maybe I'm the only one. They can show you gift. That's why that part of the world is no, nothing is changing yet. Nothing. In fact, oh man, I wish I could show you these guys. I saw a billboard on this last trip. Amazing. I told the driver, stop. I need to take a picture of this. You know what it says? I can make you rich, happy, and popular. And the name of the church, the Godist Church. G-O-D-I-S-T. I'm not joking. 
And it shows the time when they meet. And Don Manadon told me, the place cannot contain human beings. They lined up to the streets. They want to be rich, happy, and popular. Wow. I have it on my iPad. I can show it to you. Billboard, huge. And the guy put his picture there. <laughs> his name is High Holiness. I'm not making it up. High Holiness, Honorable. Now, if it was not true, it would be funny. But these are the things people are hearing. They want to be rich, happy, and popular. Can you show me anywhere in the Bible where God promises popularity? <laughs> but the people strong with crowd. The Holy Spirit. Listen, I'll close with two pictures. Just so you understand this spirit of grace. God just didn't make it up today or on the day of Pentecost. That had been his desire. First picture in Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Abraham was sending his servant, the eldest servant in his house, to go fetch a bride for his son Isaac. Let me just read one or two verses there. And we're going to pick this up next week. Genesis 24. In verse. What verse is that? I wrote it down. Read verse 8. Yeah. Genesis 24, verse, uh, da, 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 da. verse 10. Actually, verse 2. Verse 2 and verse 10. Genesis 24, verse 2. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had. Verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. Two things there you need to see. Two things. The father is seeking for a bride for his son. Who did he send? That spirit of grace. That spirit of grace. And we are told in verse 2 that that spirit of grace, the servant, he ruled over everything the master has. And this is consistent with what Jesus told us in John chapter 14, John chapter 16. He said, all that I have is with him. And he will give you everything I have. Is that not what Jesus said? In other words, you cannot access what Jesus has for you unless you go through him. Now, look at that verse 10. So verse 2 establishes he rules over everything. All the goods, all the benefits. Verse 10 now shows us the Holy Spirit's discretion concerning you. He took out of all and gave what he wants for that individual. His discretion. 
Oh, you're not hearing this. The Holy Spirit is taking the discretion to know what to give to Joseph, to know what to give to Lola, to know what to give to Ada, to know what to give to Sharon. He's using his own discretion of all the vast resources he has. He makes that singular decision according to the will of the Father and the Son. He say, Daniel, this is what you need for right now. And why is he doing that? Because he has a bride in his mind. And the Bible said, you and I have been made to become what? The bride of Christ. His job is to guide us, to encourage us, to bless us so that we can fulfill our journey. He came to take Rebecca until Rebecca met Isaac. He did not fail. Will it fail concerning you? It's not possible. So we see him in our role as a faithful one who gets the job done. One last picture and we've got to go home. Esther, chapter 2. Esther, chapter 2, I believe verse 8. So it was, when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan the citadel, under the custody, say custody, say custody, of her guy. Now Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of her guy, the custodian of the woman. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Custody. He was a custodian. In other words, he took care of all the women completely. The woman got nothing that he did not give them. If he did not give it to them, he was called Sodia. One more verse in that chapter. Verse 9. Now the young woman pleased now. Now the young woman pleased him, that's Esther, and she obtained his favor. So he readily gave beauty preparations for her besides her allowance. That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to give you favor beyond your allow allowance. Verse 15, same chapter. Now, when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what her guy, the king's Enoch, the custodian of the woman, advised. Why are you seeking advice outside of the Holy Spirit? Why? He came from the Father. He knows the Father's heart. And he knows exactly what is to be done for you to be positioned for your blessing. Stop all this striving. Let's get into the Word of God. Let's believe the Word of God. Let's embrace the Word of God. And let's start acting out the Word of God. This is where it starts. We can begin to start by loving one another. That's the application. Let me tell you why it's, that's the application. The first Pentecost, Feast of Weeks, Exodus 19, Exodus 20. Exodus 20 was the giving of the law. When you put all the law together, it spoke two things. Love God, love your neighbor. That's it. That's it. That's all the law is all about. My love towards God and my love towards one another. That's it. 
Paul tells us in Romans 13, 8, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's it. So how can I position myself to knowing the Holy Spirit, to flowing the Holy Spirit, to embracing the Holy Spirit, to align the Holy Spirit to do a work in me? Begin to love God, which can only come as a response of God's revelation of his love towards you. And then, begin to love one another. All these irritations, the things we do to one another, knowingly and sometimes unknowingly, you need to be like God, to be patient and begin to overlook some of these things. We need to grow up. We need to grow up. We need to start walking in love towards God and mankind. People on your job, people that are not lovable, receive the love of God in your heart. That's the only way we're going to bring, be a witness of who he is. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to manifest through us God's nature and God's power. So we're going to be addressing in weeks to come the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Both. 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 But I'm telling you, you are going to start to see a regular manifestation of his promptings in your life once you become quickened and aware to the possibilities of what it brings. That's a fact. I have some testimonies but I'll save them to next week of some things that God is doing. Father, we want to thank you for our time this morning. We thank you that we are able to come to the place of recognizing the witnesses on the earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. We acknowledge the Holy Spirit as the spirit of grace, the one that dispenses to us the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to make our lives full and for us to be a witness unto you in the earth. And so, Father, we thank you. We receive your love for one another, for, for you. We receive your love. Yes. And we walk in love towards one another. Help us today, Lord, this day, as we celebrate Mother's Day. Help us. Those irritations, those annoying things that we allow to estrange us from one another. We receive grace to overcome them right now. In the name of Jesus. We receive the grace, Father, to address, to deal, and to speak the truth in love so that your power can be seen in our life in a greater degree in the name of your son Jesus. Father, we bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. We're going to go, but as I was 